0: I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today I'm excited to continue our Spiritual Lessons from Amy Carmichael series. If you haven't been able to catch the first few episodes in the series, I definitely recommend going back and listening to those, although the message today will be a standalone even if you didn't hear the first few. Amy Carmichael, for those of you who don't know, was a missionary to India and one of my spiritual heroes. Her books, her ministry, the way she lived her life has really profoundly impacted me. Before we dive in, I want to encourage you to check out our Daily Thunder podcast available at ellerslie.com. We have messages from my husband, Eric, and Nathan Johnson and myself and other guests. It's just a very powerful daily reminder of truth. You can also go to setapartgirl.com and check out the resources that we have for you on living a Christ-centered life in a very non-Christ-centered world. And especially, I would encourage you to become a subscriber to our Set Apart magazine. This is a beautiful resource for women of every age. It comes out four times every year. There are no ads in it. It's just deep, rich, powerful, practical truth for women. If you can't get the print version, you can also become a digital subscriber. We have an online mentoring program as well at setapartgirl.com where you can register for that and have access to over 175 hours of teaching videos and online courses that really can help you choose a set apart life in the midst of our chaotic world. And we recently released a brand new course called Redeeming the Time, which is about living every day for the glory of God. So if you become a member to the online program, the mentoring program, you can have access to that material. So let's dive into this message, and I called this episode Astounding Humility because Amy Carmichael's life and ministry truly astounded me with the level of humility that she embraced. And this started really early in her ministry and in her Christian walk. I've mentioned this story in a previous podcast, but when she was a very young woman in her early 20s, she had developed this incredible ministry to young women called the shawleys in her community near Belfast, Ireland. And these were young women who were working most of their days and part of their nights in these factories. They were very mistreated. A lot of them abused. They didn't have very much money. They wore wore shawls instead of hats, and that's why they were known as the shawleys. And Amy basically said, single-handedly started this incredible ministry for the Shallies and raised the money to build a building where they could be trained, where they could be equipped with practical skills and trained in the gospel. And on the night that the welcome halls, what she called this building, was dedicated, she didn't want any credit. She sat in the middle of the audience along with the Shallies and she asked a local minister to conduct the service because she didn't want people applauding her. And she had a banner hung across the stage that said, in all things that he, meaning Jesus, might have the preeminence, which means first place. And that was really one of the first hallmarks of her humility, but as she went to India, and there's a whole story of how she got to India as a missionary. She originally started as a missionary in Japan, but her health broke down and she wasn't able to stay, and then the door opened for her to go to India. But that humility was such a key theme in her early days as a missionary in India, Because a lot of British people, a lot of Europeans were going to India because at that time it was very fashionable to go there, even to be a missionary there and to be pampered and spoiled. And a lot of missionaries were choosing that lifestyle because they could come to India and things were very affordable there. They could have servants. They could have a life of luxury and still kind of do some gospel ministry work on the side. And Amy did not want that lifestyle at all. She didn't want to be treated any differently than the Indian people she had come to serve. She didn't want to live in a special house or eat special food or have servants to take care of her. She wanted to really integrate with the people. So she wanted to live with an Indian family and she never really participated in sort of that separate kind of proud, arrogant attitude that so many people from her country portrayed when they came to India. And when she first arrived, she was really beginning to develop a powerful platform. And people were really intrigued by her passion, her zeal, her way of doing things differently. And not everyone liked her. A lot of people, especially the other missionaries, kind of wanted her out of India. But a lot of people really responded well to her message and her passion and her love for Christ and how she communicated truth. And so doors began to open for her to speak all over India and to have really large evangelical meetings where she could encourage. Other Christians, or where she could share the gospel. And people told her, you know, you definitely need to take advantage of those opportunities, make a name for yourself. You'll be, you know, a famous missionary if you do this. And right around that same time, helpless little children began to show up at Amy's doorstep that needed her to take care of them. They needed a mother. This was a very twisted, perverted society. And a lot of mothers were sacrificing their children as babies to be temple prostitutes, thinking it would gain them favor with the gods. A lot of children, if they ever changed religion, would be abused or even killed by their own families. So there were all of these children that Amy had a real burden for, and they would show up on her doorstep. In fact, the very first child that came was a little girl named Prina. And she had been sold by her mother to be a temple prostitute. And once she recognized what that lifestyle meant, she tried to escape The first thing she did was run back to her mother. Her mother took her right back to the temple. And then she was just looking constantly for a way to escape. But she was guarded 24 hours a day. But inexplicably one night, she was able to get through a crack in the door and nobody knew she had left. And she went straight to find Amy. Amy had been traveling and she had just felt compelled to come back early. And she just happened to be sitting on her front porch when this little girl came to see her. And this little girl absolutely refused to leave her side. She said, you are my mother now. And so that continued to happen where whether it was a little child or babies, people were bringing these children to Amy to take care of. And it, it sounds kind of romantic maybe to, to those of us who love children and think, oh, if, if little children came to my doorstep, that would be such an exciting experience. But for Amy, it was really a challenge because people looked at the work of caring for children as demeaning and humiliating and not worth the time of the missionaries, because a lot of these children would die, a lot of times their families would come and claim them back. And it just seemed like, you know, this isn't really the best use for a missionary who has such an amazing platform and she really wrestled with that that decision, should I, should I stay in one place and take care of these little children, even though that is looked down upon? And it's sort of looked at as taking kind of the lowest position. And should I say no to these opportunities that are very large and very prestigious? And most of the Christians in her life were advising her not to take care of the children, but to be a traveling speaker and a missionary that would be more famous and really just take advantage of these big opportunities. But Amy went to the word of God and she went to prayer and she began to feel very strongly that she was to embrace that self-sacrificing, humble way of the cross. And she went straight to the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, which is such an incredible, astounding act of humility that we see in scripture. And even the way that it's written in the book of John shows that here was the Lord of heaven and earth. The father had given everything to him and he had authority over everything. And he knew that he came from God and would return from God. Even knowing all of this, it says he rose from supper and laid aside his outer garment and took a towel. And here's how Amy described that scene from scripture. He took a towel. The Lord of glory did that. Is it the bond servant's business to say which work is large and which is small, which is unimportant and which is worth doing? Once she asked herself that question, she began to recognize that there is no work that God will ever call her to that is small or unimportant or not worth doing. And so she made a decision to give her life to the raising of these children. Later she wrote this, if the praise of others elates me and their blame depresses me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. And she also wrote, if I covet any place on earth but the dust at the foot of the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary love. That statement really really baffled me when I first read it because we so often covet the praise of others, the recognition of others, the approval of others, the applause of others. And even the work that we do for God, we so often want it to be recognized by others. That's why a lot of people blog about it and have Facebook pages and kind of unveil all the different things that they're doing. Even missionaries do that oftentimes. And it's kind of that secondary motive of having other people applaud you and say, wow, you're doing something really amazing. Amy wanted no part of that. She wanted to just be at the dust at the foot of a cross. And so all throughout her ministry life, she was very self-effacing. She did not want credit for the work that she was doing in raising these children. A lot of times she was risking her own life to rescue them out of very dangerous situations. And she put herself in great danger many, many times and she would just sacrificially love them, pour out for them, raise them as her own children. And that's how she treated them. And yet she wanted absolutely no credit or fame or recognition from that. She wouldn't really let anyone ever take her picture or write about her or even use her name in a lot of the the things that were written about the work that she was doing. And whenever you read her books, some of them are a little bit harder to read because the style they're written is very old. She was definitely not from our generation. And yet one thing you'll notice about these books is that she always uses the word we. We made the decision to do that, or we felt convicted to do that. And in one of her books, I think it was Gold Cord, she defines who the we is. She said it was myself and several Indian sisters who had become Christians and had joined me in the work that God had called me to do. So it was really the way God was leading her. But she said we because she had some Indian Christian women who were kind of going along with her decisions. And she just didn't want it to come across as this is what I have done. This is my ministry. So she was very, very humble to the point where it almost bothered other people. And I remember Elizabeth Elliott even making the comment about writing this biography. It was actually a difficult biography to write because Amy just didn't want anything written about herself. And she was very, very self-effacing. So she wouldn't really express all the ways that God was leading her and directing her because she didn't want to get credit for anything out of the ordinary. That kind of humble attitude might seem rather foolish to our modern logical minds, but we do need to remember that God doesn't measure success the way that we do. I mean, think about these stories in scripture, Jesus washing the disciples' feet, which was an unthinkable thing for a teacher to do, let alone the Lord of heaven and earth. It was the lowest thing you could do in that culture. You're wiping filth off of someone's feet. Or Mary of Bethany, when she poured out her most priceless possession on the feet of Jesus' without any applause, recognition, or fanfare. A lot of people thought that was a waste, and even one of the disciples criticized it. And Jesus said, what she has done for me is actually a picture of the gospel itself. Or the Apostle Paul, he had loads of accomplishments. He had accolades that he could have leveraged to gain a bigger platform and a following for his ministry. But when he considered his earthly achievements worthless and became a fool for Christ's sake, that's when he was truly effective as a witness of the gospel. Jesus reminds us that if we cling to our lives, we'll lose them. But if we are willing to give up our lives, our own agenda, our own platform, our own claim to fame, and we are willing to lay that down for his sake, that's when we will find true life. The Bible makes it so clear that instead of striving to be noticed and appreciated, we are supposed to take a humble posture into every area of our life, that posture of self-denial. So whether we're recognized and applauded or disregarded and overlooked, it shouldn't make a difference to us because we've taken up our cross to follow Jesus and our only concern should be knowing him and making him known. Now That definitely requires the grace of God. And that's what I see when when I look at Amy Carmichael's life, how she lived in her writings. She wrote this as well in her book, If... If my thoughts revolve around myself, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I cannot in honest happiness take the second place or the 20th, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Now, in modern culture, we've been conditioned to believe that self-expression and self-promotion is right and even spiritual, but truly as set-apart women, as daughters of the king, God has called us to forget ourselves, to deny ourselves, to let our own interests become swallowed up in him. He has called us not to seek the highest place, but the lowest place. Jesus says, after he washes the disciples' feet, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus' picture of this kind of amazing humility, willingly choosing the lowest place rather than the highest, is the path that he has set before us. And he did that. He goes out of his way to say that this is an example that we should follow in his steps. Amy Carmichael exemplified this throughout her life. I'm not saying she probably never struggled with the bait towards pride, but what you see as a very standout characteristic was that embracing of the lowest place, even though she was really quite an amazing person and accomplished more than most of us could imagine ever doing in our lives. When she was 52 years old, after she had been in India for nearly three decades and she had rescued hundreds of children, she found out that the King of England had awarded her a medal for her service to the needy children of Israel. And the governor of Madras in India planned to present this medal to her on the king's behalf at a ceremony. Most people would have been thrilled to have their life's work acknowledged like that, but Amy was actually mortified at the idea of receiving accolades for her Christian service. She felt she had already had more than enough reward in the love of the hundreds of children who called her Ama, which means mother in the Tamil language. So at first, she wanted to refuse this medal completely, but her friends convinced her to accept it as a way to acknowledge the needs of the children of Israel. She agreed to receive the medal, but she would not go to the award ceremony. She hated having her picture taken or being the center of attention, and nobody could convince her to put herself in the public eye. It's not because she was a shy person. She actually had a very bold personality, and she was a naturally born leader, but she wanted so much for her life to reflect the humility of of Christ. She did not want to get in between Christ and his glory. Her attitude was very much in keeping with Jesus' exhortations to the disciples. Does he thank that servant because the servant did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all the things which you were commanded, just say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. And that was basically Amy's attitude. I haven't done anything special. I've just obeyed God and it's been an amazing, fulfilling life. I don't need human accolades. Here is one quote that really enunciates how she lived this out in daily life and how she exhorted the Indian women and children that were under her leadership. She wrote, Are we going in the way Christ has gone or are we only talking and praying and singing about it? What about likes and dislikes? What about choices? What about self? Christ's way is the way that says no to the I that rises up so often and in many different disguises. If any man will come after me let him deny himself, say no to himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. A byway is any other way, an easier way, a self-pleasing way. We shall not meet Christ if we travel in a byway. When I compare Amy's example of that kind of humility and self-denial with the aggressive self-promotion that is so accepted and so prevalent today, it is truly astounding. I'm almost Awed by the contrast between her life and what is normal today. Even many Christian leaders and missionaries, as I've said before, often do what they do, hoping for human accolades and attention. When I study Amy Carmichael's life, it's a continual reminder to me of the humble path that Jesus walked and that we are called to follow in his steps, living for heaven's applause alone. Paul reminds us in Philippians, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Imagine embracing that kind of humility, that freedom that comes from being unconcerned, whether people appreciate your unique talents or personality or the work that you're doing for God. Imagine if our only concern is making Jesus known and knowing him even if no one ever remembers our names. What would happen in this world if we as Christian women began to put aside our self-seeking ambitions and joyfully take that lowest place just as Jesus did? How much more of Jesus would people see in our lives if we adopted that attitude of John the Baptist when he said, I must decrease so that he would increase? I'd like to finish this meditation with a quote from Ian Thomas, one of my very favorites, when he said, the Christian life can only be explained in terms of Jesus Christ. And if your life as a Christian can still be explained in terms of you, your personality, your willpower, your gift, your talent, your money, your courage, your scholarship, your dedication, your sacrifice, or your anything, then although you may have the Christian life, you are not yet living it. My challenge to you, to all of us this week, is to take our lives before God and say, Lord, help me to choose the lowest place give me the grace to walk the path of humility that you walked because i know that is how you will truly receive glory in my life i don't want to stand in the way of you getting glory through my life and god will show each of us what areas we can choose to bend our knee and wash the feet of others and choose that place of humility when we ask him I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into this topic or other topics on building a Christ-centered life, please visit setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.